packed house on soccer and snow and smoke. Got two guests in the studio with me, but of course we've got plenty to cover with the Women's World Cup starting at the end of this week. This is our Women's World Cup preview episode on soccer and snow and smoke, the soccer podcast from ESPN Missoula. I'm Andrew Houghton. Before we get started, Soccer and Snow and Smoke is brought to you as always by Blackfoot Communications, as well as Zootown Sports Cards. Big thanks to our sponsors. Big thanks to both of our guests in here with me to talk the Women's World Cup. Joining us from the Montana Grizzlies soccer team, head coach Chris Chinovitsky. I'm back. Assistant coach Ashley Herndon making her return to the studio. Yes. Thanks to both of you guys for being here. Excited to be here. Yeah, same here. Thanks for having us. How excited are you guys uh, to talk Women's World Cup? Oh, very excited. I know Ash has been bugging me about this the whole time. So this is probably (laughs) the only time I'll be talking because she'll take over the mic as my guest. (laughs) First off, before we get started here, just a little update on on your guys' summer. I know it's been busy. You had had youth camps. I know you had ID Mm -hmm. camps last weekend. Just give everybody a little update on where we are in the season, what you guys have been doing this summer, and what's coming up next. Yeah, to be honest, I feel like it's one of those summers that has gone by quicker than ever before. Um, June seemed to blaze by, and all of a sudden we're into July, and next thing you know, we're hitting up a lot of events. We're uh, on the road, we're doing camps, and now we're two weeks out from preseason already, um, which only leaves me this weekend to go floating, which is my plan. So, yeah, it's been a really busy summer, but also very successful when it comes to recruiting for the program and really excited for the future. Same what Chris said. It's It's been a fun, busy summer, but a lot of recruiting, a lot of camps working, and I think it's probably the best camps we've ever had. It's yes. been a lot of fun. So. Some international guests on campus last week. I saw the article in the Missoulian, but uh, it just explained to me a little bit more because that sounds like a, a cool, fun story. Yeah, there's a sports diplomacy program that is funded by the federal government and run through the Mansfield Center on campus. And so every year there's a contingent of... Um, just really anybody from this community, which I think you should do, to be honest, because I think you'd be great on it. But it's usually alumni, um, maybe some current players, maybe some faculty, and they head over to whatever South American country, which we're, part, which, which we're having some sort of partnership with, right? So this case was Chile, and they went down there for two weeks, had a good experience really growing the women's game, exposing them to some of our methods. And then their contingent comes over and gets to learn in person here in Missoula. So they meet with us, they meet with the local clubs like Strikers, um, and and then with anybody else in the community just to get a sense of like, oh, wow, this is how you guys do it here in America. We want to go grow the women's game there as well. So next year, there'll be another contingency. Uh, an, uh, sorry, another contingent going down to Honduras, I believe. Uh, and it'll be men's basketball will have something going on, I think. And then women's soccer, hopefully, as well. What was it like having people here try to, trying to learn from you? Oh, it's amazing. Um, the first time... I spoke way too quickly. This was with a group in Peru before COVID, and it was hard for the translator to keep up. So I was proud of myself uh, speaking at a way that allowed her to keep up and translate correctly. But it's fun to have them here because they're bringing just their love of the game here, which is really cool. Um, And then taking our ideas and using those ideas to grow it in their own way. Uh, which I think we can talk about with the Women's World Cup as well, with how quickly the women's game is growing everywhere. With the influence of the individual countries, it's really amazing. Last thing here on the Grizz soccer team, head coach Chris Chitovitsky and assistant coach Ashley Herndon joining us in studio. For soccer and snow and smoke, you mentioned you're only a couple weeks out from preseason. Just what's the pitch, what's the info here? When and where can people uh, see you for the first time this season? Well, we got an early preseason game, right, Ash? What's the date? August 6th is our first exhibition game and then followed up by august 10th we'll be playing air force and then university of calgary on the 10th are those games at home they are both home exhibition games and then our first home official game i believe is the 24th yeah against msub and then that weekend we play ohio state Mm -hmm. at home so it'll be a fun weekend yeah Tickets, info, go to... Everything is on gogriz.com. You can go right there. Let's snap up those tickets. Single game tickets go on sale today, which today being Tuesday. July 18th. 18th. That's right. Uh, Very cool. Uh, Super excited for the Montana Grizzlies season to get started. These guys and, and hopefully some more players from the team will be in throughout the season to preview the season. So looking forward to that, but what we're really looking forward to for this one, 
the Women's World Cup, this one I think is so exciting. I think for any number of reasons, but I think the landscape of women's soccer at the top, top levels is really changing. And this is going to be the first year that a lot of people are, are going to see it. I made this point on the radio show, but the, the traditional European powers, the teams that you think about when you think about soccer, have really invested a lot into the game and, and we're seeing it pay off in huge talent on the field. I mean, this is the the first year where I think you would say that teams like Spain, England, France mm-hmm. are, are really, really favorites this year. What do you guys think about just the, the general state of women's soccer and the way that it's evolved uh, over the past several years? I think it's pretty incredible. You'll notice that the U.S. has kind of been at the top for years and years, and these other countries are kind of catching up to them now, and it's it's pretty exciting, and I think we're in for a really fun World Cup. Yeah, the investment uh, across the board has been really good and it's coming more. We were just listening to a podcast with Samios, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she was talking about uh, when she went to visit FIFA Pro, which is an organization, just a group of agents pretty much who like oversee things, right? And whatnot, and just re- representatives of players. And just the, the investments are happening, but they're not full on yet. And when the when it all starts pouring into women's soccer, then I think we start seeing a massive explosion into it. But this World Cup should trigger things mm-hmm. moving forwards. But it's also piling pressure on certain countries like uh, Japan and in Italy who are on the... Well, Japan's already broken through. They, they're going through separate issues, but the Italians who are on the cusp of breaking through need a little bit more financial investment. And imagine if they have a successful World Cup now and that money comes in, all of a sudden things blow up even more for them in a positive way. But... If they don't, then who knows? Does it just remain at the level that it's at? And so talk about extra pressure that you're putting on players coming into the World Cup. But that's the point that we're at in the history of women's soccer. I think you'll kind of see in ticket sales already that even regardless of how countries are going to do, just the the blow up of the exposure that it's giving women's soccer in general is going to help a lot. I guess, first off, what's it been for you guys to to watch that over the last couple of years? What's it been for you guys to experience that? And it, it really starts with... The investment from the clubs, right, in mm-hmm. Europe, and that's been what's mm-hmm. driving it once, uh, you know, Barcelona and some of the teams in England realized that this was perhaps a, a profitable venture to invest in women's soccer uh, and to try to become the best on the continent in yeah. Europe. That really increases the pace of development for players, and then that, of course, feeds into the national teams that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, and let's just talk about how quickly the development has occurred. I mean, you're seeing, I think, mammoth, monstrous growth in the game right now. And it hasn't even taken that much of an investment because they're still underfunded when it comes to athletic training rooms and the way that the players are being taken care of off the field, which leads into a lot of the injuries that we're seeing right now. But even with that minuscule investment, it's amazing what it's done for the growth of the women's game um, across the continent of Europe and then across the rest of the world where you're starting to even see it pick up in places like Africa. And what is that doing politically to a continent like that, right? Um, you know, just providing opportunities for women there, right? And to think that a lot of that has come about through the game of soccer is pretty cool. So Women's World Cup 2023 edition kicking off here on Thursday in Australia and in New Zealand, both hosting it. Chris, real quick, your thoughts on, on Australia getting to host? Oh, um, I got some stories on that, which I don't even know if I'm allowed to share. But uh, yeah, as, as to how they got those hosting opportunities, because my, my brother being involved in politics back there, it was a middle-of-the-night raid, and a special phone call had to be made to somebody to make a deal for favors into the future uh, for votes going in a certain direction. But that's what allowed certain votes to go in Australia's direction, and boom, here you have it. They're hosting it. Um, we look at it over here. We're like, oh, man, that's going to be really cool. But I was watching videos uh, with my daughter this morning, YouTube ones, and Alex Morgan's out there training in a winter jacket. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's winter in Australia and <laughs> New Zealand. So... Um, Climate-wise, at least it's not being hosted here where it's, you know, 109 degrees in Phoenix, right? Uh, I, I think the, that climate is going to suit everybody and it's going to, I don't know, it'll be a great event. What do you think about the, the Australian team this year? I mean, New Zealand is also in it, but Australia has been sort of the power in that part of the world. Yeah, I just haven't been there very recently. You can tell there's a lot of excitement about it, just like there was about the Americans back in you know 1999. And as things really exploded and it became such a powerhouse sport, that's happening right now in Australia. And you've got someone like Sam Kerr leading the line. 
I mean, talk about a perfect face for it because you need the face that comes along with it, right? There was Mia Hamm who was the face of it, and now you got Sam Kerr as a face of it. It's, I mean, it's it's all set up for what could be a very spectacular World Cup for them. So if we're talking women's soccer, we still, I think, have to start with the, the U.S. women's national team going for a three-peat here coming into this one, uh, won the last two editions of the World Cup. A lot of a lot of interesting narratives around around this year's American team. Ashley, just your general thoughts about about how the U.S. looks going into it. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that that three peat that no men or women's team has ever done before, and that's kind of what you're going to hear the rest of this time leading up to the World Cup is if can they do it, and it but puts a lot of pressure on them. But my opinion on this is the U.S. could take this home. They can, they can absolutely win it. The, the players that they still have, I know they have the injuries from Becky Sauerbrunn, Katarina Macario, and Mallory Swanson, but the depth that they have on this, this team is pretty remarkable, and I think they can still take it home if they come out. Like I know they can. Well, that's the thing sort of about the, the U.S., how strong the women's soccer program is, right? This is... A transition year in a lot of ways, I think, for the U.S. I mean, there are not a lot of familiar names from the last couple World Cup winners. I mean, Alex Morgan is still around. Julie Ertz is back in yeah. the team now. Megan Rapino is still mm-hmm. on there. Rose Lavelle is is still going to play a huge role, but the you know they've lost a lot and they're they have weaknesses. I think at, at certain parts of the field, sure. you mentioned Mallory Swanson and Katarina Macario are out mm-hmm. two of, two of the best attackers in the world. And Becky Sauerbrunn, one of their main leader the past decade I believe of being that team captain and that'll be a tough loss just having that person to lead the back line I know they're going to have two youngsters Naomi Gurma and probably Alana Cook in the back line so I think that's going to be one of their biggest challenges in the back line yeah adjusting to playing in a world cup Mm -hmm. yeah but all of that they're still the favorites here. I mean, they're they're still the for betting sure. favorites for the, for the women's World Cup, which says a lot about uh, the depth of the program, like you mentioned, Ashley, and just the expectations around around that team. So, who do you think are, are going to be the important players? I mean, there are going to be a lot of new names. Yeah. I think that people are going to well, learn from I mean, this if team. You've, if you've watched Sophia Smith in the NWSL the past yes. this past season, it's been pretty incredible to watch her play. I think she's going to come out and blow the whole tournament away with with her scoring mm-hmm. ability and her talent up front. And she's also got Trandy Rodman as well, who's also kind of got that same caliber as type of player. So it's going to be a fun one. Rose Lavelle is Rose Lavelle. Yeah. I mean, Coming it's... from the midfield, it's Rose Lavelle, Lindsey Horan, um, Ashley Sanchez. There's quite a bit of talent all over the field, and a lot of them are going to be subs coming onto the field, which is also pretty incredible. Worried a little bit about – the midfield, the defensive midfield, as we mentioned, Julie Ertz sort yeah. of came out of retirement mm-hmm. to play for this team, and, and she's going to play a big role there, either at center back or, or probably in defensive midfield. Also, I think, you know, the defense, as you mentioned, just so, so interesting. I think that Naomi Girma is probably one of the most important players on this team, the, the San Diego center back. She's, what, 21? Yeah. 22? Yeah. Uh, going to be a lot of responsibility on, on her as well. How do you think it, it plays out with, with the back line and who's going to play there? Like I said, that's going to be their, their trickiest spot, I think. That six role, that defensive midfield role is kind of where they've been having that question mark of who's going to play there. They've tried Lindsey Horan there. They've cr- tried Christy Mewis there. Uh, Andy Sullivan's been playing there the most recently in the friendly games. So who knows? I mean, they know they have Julia Ertz from experience, but she's just back into the squad too. So it's going to be interesting what they go with. But there's still so much talent there going is, forwards yeah. that, you know, is it going to be one of those where they're winning games three to two mm-hmm. as opposed to shutting teams out, right? I, I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting, but every time I'm like, oh, I don't know, someone can catch me. Just look at the rest of the roster. You're like, I don't know if anybody can. Yeah. So much firepower, and Letko and the whole federation has done a good job playing teams who can sit in a low block and can hit you on a counter because that's what they're experiencing more and more. So when we're seeing these results against some of these countries, oh, they only beat so and so two zero, but those games were specifically selected for that reason. Tactically organized, can hit on a counter, and can you break them down? while also playing some heavyweights. So I think they've balanced the schedule well and they've tested themselves knowing that this is what we'll see in the World Cup. Let's prepare ourselves for that. Chris, does it become a, a problem at all having that much 
talent to sort through on the front line. I mean, do you think that there are defined roles for this group of forwards? I would imagine Alex Morgan is going to start through the middle. I don't know what else we're going to see sort of on that forward line. Does that become a, a concern at all, just trying to sort that out? I would hope that they have that figured out, right? There's, there's enough experience, especially Vladko coaching in the NWSL and just all the experience of that coaching staff. I think they, they know what they're doing. Yeah. It'll be tough. They'll be... Again, these are high-functioning players, high-performing players who definitely want to play, but some of, the, some of them are young and should know that it's, I'll play my part and my time will come. I even forgot to mention Lynn Williams, who's also exactly. having a, a breakout year with uh, New Jersey, New York, and the NWSL. And, I mean, she's been on fire with the national team as well, and she's one of the older players. She missed the last World Cup. I think she was dealing with some injury, but she's fired up for this one. I know that. Ashley, if you're picking one player from this team who everybody is going to know their name by the end of the tournament, who who's maybe flying under the radar right now, one of the new players who's coming into the team. I think it's going to be Sophia Smith. Okay. I think she's going to run that front line. And, and that's not even to mention as well with the, the youngster, Alyssa Thompson, as well. Yeah, you, exactly. You just remember all these names and the depth they have on this team. I think, I think they're going to surpri- surprise some people with those young players. Smith could be the one, yeah, mm-hmm. that. And then I think there's going to be some Trinity Rodman moments where everyone's like, ah, oh, dang it, I thought we were catching up with those players up top. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Yeah, Trinity Rodman is, is certainly capable of, of the yes. spectacular. And, I mean, it's just such a great starting point to have that yeah. speed and skill and mm-hmm. talent and finishing ability in your front line. Because, as you mentioned, if they need to win a game 3-2, to two, they can go ahead and do it. U.S. Women's National Team opening up play on Friday against Vietnam. They're in Group E with uh, the Netherlands and Portugal, along with Vietnam, rounding out that group. All the matches, by the way, I think uh, Fox has the broadcast contract for the Women's World Cup, yeah. so you can find them on Fox, the main channel, as well as FS1. I think you'll be able to find most of these matches on. Moving on from the U.S., We talked about the rise of the traditional European powers here. I mean, it's wild to to watch among the the teams who you would consider the great soccer-playing nations, particularly of Europe. Mm -hmm. Only Germany has won the World Cup. Uh, I believe only the Netherlands is the only other one of those teams to get to the final. I mean, France, Spain, England, Mm -hmm. nowhere to be seen there. Sweden's been close, but never in a final. Yeah. Yeah, but and and Sweden is is sort of not on the same level as those other teams in the men's mm-hmm. game. Which of those teams are you most looking forward to watch, or, or I guess which which team, if I ask you to pick one, is going to challenge the U.S. Well, you were talking about Spain in the car on the way over here, and England as well. I think is going to come out of come out of nowhere here. They still ha- they do have a lot of injuries, but. The, the depth they have as well is pretty incredible. Yeah, hearing some stories from the last World Cup, again from Sam Mewis on a podcast, her talking about how the Americans are playing the Spanish in that quarterfinal and they just kind of touched the ball. She's like, I've never been so frustrated in a game and I thought we were good and we were up against this team and luckily got two penalty kicks and won it, but she felt like this is the first time that she felt in an opening round, in knockout round game that they might be going home. Because the Spaniards, they, it's not that they just possess the ball. They do it with confidence. And now they have some of the best players in the world on that team. But besides Spain, I mean, yeah, you look at it. Germany is going to be very good. England's going to be very good. France will be very good. Because they sold their entire little coaching debacle there and got some players back. So it's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's so much fun we to were, watch, though. We were reading all the groups on the way over just to catch up and remind ourselves and we're like oh yeah them too them too they're gonna come out of nowhere there's there's teams that you kind of forget about and you remember that they're on the rise as well and it's gonna be it's gonna be a really fun world cup yeah long term though my money's on spain because they won the u17 the world cup the u21 world cup or u20 um spain Mm -hmm. is that that's where it's gonna be at spain of course also the best player in the world, probably, yeah. returning, Alexia Puteas, mm-hmm. returning from a long-term injury. So interesting to see what level she's going to be at. But of course, the, the driving force behind those great Barcelona teams yes. of recent years, it's sort of the way that the, the Spanish men's national team came up because they have this core of players playing for Barcelona together and yeah. then, and then playing for the national yep. team. Yep. But Alexia Puteas, I think, is, is somebody who's going to if she's healthy and if she's physically capable, 
become really, really famous at this World Cup. I think she is probably undisputedly the best player in the world. Yes. Yeah. She's been voted that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Back to back. (laughs) So she is phenomenal. I think she'll be... They're in a good enough position where I think they can rest her through the group games if they had to, right? Because my understanding was yesterday she had pulled out of a training session early. So I think it's managing her. But also Spain's track record in the group games is pretty shaky at times, right? A 1-1 draw with Costa Rica last time around. And so, yeah, it's been interesting. But Who's in their group as well? I've never seen them be this dominant, though, in a build-up to it. I think they'll be Mm -hmm. good. With that one-one draw, they have Costa Rica in that, and they group have Costa as well. Rica to open yeah. again, right? So yeah, it's we'll see. But they've also through the Barcelona methodology there, they they understand how to break down a low block because isn't that all that Barcelona sees in league play over there, right? Right. You sit in, defend, and hit on the counter, so they'll be able to break down those teams. Plus, play against the high-level teams that they see in the Champions League all the time. I think you take all of those players and you put them into a team, and you got a good squad if you can have harmony within it based on all the coaching issues they have. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's really the big sort of big secondary story here. You've got the Americans at the top and then that, that group of European teams chasing them, Spain, mm-hmm. France, Germany, Germany. England. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be really tough, but if one of those teams can break through given what we know about those countries, it could be huge for the development of women's soccer yes. in that country. So I think that's sort of the, the secondary group chasing the Americans. But let's just go group by group here and, and learn a little bit about each of these teams. Group A, New Zealand, Norway, the Philippines, and Switzerland. Sort of a good group there for, for one of the hosts in New Zealand. Ashley, just what are your thoughts on, on this group? Uh, well, you have New Zealand, who's co-hosting the tournament. I think they're going to come out firing just because of, of that in general. It's pretty exciting for them. I don't think they have ever won a game in the World Cup, which is also something to fight for. They lost a couple players. I know Abby Ersig, who's been a longtime leader for them, has retired from international, focusing on club now, which is going to be a huge loss for them. Um, they still have Allie Riley to kind of lead them. But I think that country is going to surprise some people. I think they're going to get their first one in this World Cup, feeling that for them. The Philippines, they're gonna it's gonna be new for them with the amount of fans that they're gonna experience here. I was listening to a podcast and I think their biggest crowd was against the US and it was like twelve thousand and they're about to experience what, forty five thousand yeah, exactly. now. So yep. dealing with that type of, of crowd is gonna be is gonna be new. What a story, right? One of, yeah. I think, seven teams making their World Cup debut mm-hmm. in this yeah. World Cup, and we're seeing mm-hmm. teams like the Philippines, Zambia, uh, yes. Morocco, a bunch of, of non-traditional soccer-playing nations, but, but getting their chance here on the world stage. For a team like that, the, the Philippines, it's not an incredibly difficult group, but I think probably getting out of the group is going to be really difficult for them. Yeah. What can a team like that do? Is it is it just enough to play competitively? Don't get blown out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is hard, right? Yeah. It's but tough. It, but it's, it's also a group when you look at the makeup yeah. that they shouldn't get blown out, right? I mean, hopefully not. Uh, Norway's going to be the big one out of there, right? They always make it out of the group stage. Appeared in every single World Cup. Yeah, right? And a very good goal scorer there and mm-hmm. Hatterberg as well. And so, yeah, who, who's number two? Hopefully New Zealand, right, if you want the romantic mm-hmm. aspect of it. But Switzerland's probably going to be good. And Philippines, again, just a young team based on things that I had seen. They've got college players. They've got a high school player from Texas on the Philippines oh, squad. Wow. So it's a, it's a hodgepodge group, and it's not miracle on ice, right? So <laughs> I don't know if they make it out of the group, but at least they're there. Yeah. So the next generation can look at it and be, yeah, I want to be better than that. So it's romantic that way. Well, and that's how everybody, especially in a, you know, a sport that's so young as, as women's soccer, I mean, that was the U.S. once upon a time, right. just wanting to build on something yeah. for, for the next generation. So that's that's a cool sort of secondary storyline for me throughout this this World Cup. There are a bunch of... A bunch of teams from nations like that that have the chance to build something for the next generation. Yes. Norway, you mentioned the the big power in this group. What should we know about them? Are they a team that could be one of those secondary contenders for the whole thing? I mean, we're expecting them certainly to make it out of the group, make it into the knockouts. Yeah, I think it's a team that knows what a World Cup is like, and they have that experience there. I don't know. I haven't really had... Heard much. I mean, they have Ada, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Hegeberg. Yeah, who's an incredible player. So it's 
she had, she'll lead that team to to teach them how to how to win a World Cup. So it's. I don't know. What do you think, Chris? It's yeah, be... I feel like Norway's one of those teams that makes it out of the group, causes somebody an issue. Probably doesn't win everything, but yeah, they're going to be good. They would be my pick to win that group for sure. Certainly. Moving on to, to Group B, the group with the, the other host nations. So Australia leading this group along with, with Canada, Nigeria, and Ireland. Interesting group with, with Australia and, and Canada, two teams who I think are going to be fighting over that number one spot in the group because you don't want to come out of the group second and have to play the winner of another group. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't even write off Ireland or Nigeria either. Yeah. They've also got some some good talent in there and something to fight for as well. So it's going to be a good group. Okay, yeah. so so tell me about tell me about those last two teams there, Nigeria and, and Ireland. Hold on. Can we talk about how she <laughs> played at Portland Thorns with Sinclair, who's with Canada? Like, Can you give us some stories about Sinclair's goal-scoring ability? Yeah, I mean, you can't... you can't deny Christine Sinclair is the leading goal scorer in the world like it's it's pretty incredible to watch her I'm just mesmerized watching her at training sessions when I was playing in Portland if I remember you got in trouble for staring at her instead of doing your work right <laughs> yeah I kind of got distracted once watching her do a finishing drill and I missed my pass to lead her into the next one it was, <laughs> it was a little embarrassing there but it was the, the way she just doesn't have to put any power on a ball and she just knows how to finish and score a goal and we talk a lot with our team about just putting it past the goalkeeper. Like, you don't need 100-mile-per-hour shots at goal. You just need to put it past the goalkeeper to score a goal, and it's exactly what she does. Yeah, she's an absolute legend. Yeah. But anyway, back to Nigeria and Ireland. <laughs> what do you got for us, Ash? Uh, Nigeria is the team that's going to press you. They're not going to hold back. I think they're they're going to come out against any team and not hold back. I think that's what, what will surprise some teams. You'll you'll hear Chris talk about all these teams are gonna that are going to sit in a low block, but that's not a team that's going to do that, I don't think. So they're going to be a fun team to watch. And a great goal scorer up top. That's right, plays yeah. with Barcelona, Oshawala. So, mm-hmm. And a great coach and Randy Waldrum, who coached against the Grizz <laughs> last year, if I could remember correctly. Um, yeah. What, what's the story there? Randy Waldrum, who coaches Pitt, also coaches Nigeria. He does both. He does both. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that a crazy? Uh, well, the frequent flyer miles must be crazy. Yeah, right? But there's also a lot of controversy there, right? Because he recently made a statement of, if you guys don't start paying these players, we're, we're out of this thing. And so there's so many. Again, you're starting to see the underfunded side of the sport, sadly, that's still there. But it's necessary to go through these pains because it fixes it for the next time around. So as annoying as it is, let them keep coming out because it means changes will happen. Okay, let's touch on that real quick because that's the other sort of huge storyline going around women's soccer right now aside from the, the fun stuff that we talked about earlier. So many of these teams, players still in conflict with their their national federations over uh, being treated unfairly, being paid unfairly. The Spanish team, we've talked about voluminously here, Half the team walked out over a dispute with the coach and then the federation siding with the coach over, you know, several of the greatest players in the world. But, uh, you know, you mentioned Nigeria has had issues with the federation, South Africa, a, a ton of issues with the federation. It's almost like you're more likely to see a story like that in women's soccer with these teams than not. Of course, the Americans had the very high-profile fight over being paid equally as the men's team. Mm -hmm. What's it like watching these conflicts play out for for you guys who are so invested in women's soccer, and how far away are we from true equity here? I don't even know what what the answer would be to that. Everyone's hoping it's soon, but, I mean, I don't know that it will be. You see the U.S. How long it took the U.S. to fight for that, and they're the biggest team in the in the world right now. So, who knows how long it's going to take for these other countries? Which I hope is soon, but I don't know. Yeah, it's frustrating, but again, you got to change your mindset on it. You can look at it and be wave your fist in the air and scream about it, or you can look at it from the other perspective of, I'm glad this is happening because it's leading to change. Right, because it didn't happen previously as much, but now you hear about it more and more because people are saying. Look what the Americans have done and how successful they are. Look at what England is doing. Look at what Germany is doing. We all have to get on board with this too now. So it's happening. It's changing. And that's exciting. We just got to get through it. It's so difficult, though, because players often, their only, their only recourse here is to put their careers on the line, right? And to say, we're, yes. not, we're not going to play until this is, is fixed. And, of course, the federations are always going to have the power there over players who have right. a very limited window to play. 
and very limited opportunities to, for example, go to a World Cup or to play internationally, which is one of the highest honors that you can have as a player. So it it takes so much strength to sort of fight these battles, right? Because the the federations have power that that the players don't have. And the players can choose, I'm not going to play, or they say, for the sake of the game moving forwards, I am going to play. Yeah. And we're going to band together and do this for the next generation, which a lot of them are doing, mm-hmm. the, the Canadians and everybody else. So, I mean, talk about a sacrifice there, right? you got to respect them for that. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's cool to see them all stand up for what they think is right. So it's, I'm glad there is a start to this change. I didn't even mention the Canadians, but yeah, the Canadians have been going through this with with their federation. Yeah, it's it's, right. <laughs> it's been it's been brutal. So it's good to address that. It's it's a story that I hope doesn't fade into the background as we're all watching the World Cup. Of course, we're going to focus on the games, the great players, the storylines. But I think that's something that that should always be there in people's minds. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of conflict and a lot of struggle that these players are going through to to even to play and to be mm-hmm. treated fairly. So so just keep a mind on that. Back on that, I think. I think that all these issues with the Federation is just going to create more of a fight for those countries that are going through that. Like Canada, I think they're going to use that to their advantage to kind of show the Federation what they're all about and why they do deserve to earn that money. So I think it will help some teams in this World Cup. Well, it's it's one of the easiest ways to make a point, right? If you're playing in the World Cup final in front of however many thousands of people in the stadium exactly. and then millions of millions of people watching it's it's very easy to say we're worth what we should be paid yeah, yeah. back to this group group b uh australian canada with the two legendary strikers and in, in sam kerr for australia and christine sinclair for for canada nigeria has one of the best strikers in the world in in asasada oshuala who plays for barcelona you guys think that that nigeria and ireland have have a chance in this group Oh, you, you don't know. They have yeah. enough quality players mm-hmm. who can make something happen. Like, you wouldn't say that. Like, okay, I look at Philippines, I'm like, sorry, you just don't have the one sure. player who can make a difference. Oswala can make the difference. The Irish are tactically organized mm-hmm. enough where they can frustrate you and hit you on a counter and score. So, and that's, we've never seen that before. We've normally seen teams like the Philippines, which is like, okay, you're going to blow them out. This is a group that you, you don't know. It should be Australian Canada, yes, yeah. but could the Irish hold you down? Could the Nigerians pull off an upset? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, they could. Okay, so a group to watch here in, in Group yeah. B if you want exciting close soccer and maybe some some upsets, or I guess what, what we would call upsets might not be upsets yeah. in this group. So hopefully a lot of close games in that group. I still think Australia and Canada will be at the top, but I think it's it's not going to be easy for them. Do you think those teams have, have the quality to, to contend for the whole thing if they get out of the group? Australia does. I'm thinking Australia. I'm thinking Australia does. <laughs> Good, you I'm still not, have a job. Yeah, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not so sure about Canada. They are coming off that Olympic win, but with what they're dealing with, the some injuries, I don't know. I it's you, you haven't seen much from them recently. So maybe they'll surprise us. I don't know. But we'll see. They still got some some really talented some players, players too. Yeah. With um couple Chelsea players, Ashley Lawrence and Fleming, so who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Any other players to watch in this group before we before we move on? We touched on the strikers. Uh Katie McCabe from Ireland. She plays for Arsenal. She'll be she'll be one to watch as well. Denise O'Sullivan is also a veteran of that team, so those are two from Ireland to watch out for. There you go. Put them on your list. Uh-huh. Uh, moving on to Group C, Spain, the sort of stars of this group. We talked about them in there with Japan, who's been one of the most consistently successful women's soccer teams in the world. And you mentioned Costa Rica, of course, getting the rematch with Spain in this group. Uh, and then Zambia, which uh, what a what a story there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> really interesting stories in, in yeah. Group C. And you look at Zambia, who just beat Germany in the lead-up to the World Cup. And what I had found out from them, they actually don't have any issues with that federation because all of their players play for teams that are sponsored by the military within the country, right? So we're talking like former Soviet Union-style type thing, right? Which is, hey, we don't have to pay you as a federation because you're technically a military soldier, and that's, that's your living wage. And on the side, can you go, please, play for this club team and play for the country? So... Crazy, but no payment issues, and yet you've got this goal scorer in Banda who could, who knows what she's going to do. Yeah, Barbara Banda, who plays in uh, in China. China. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, really interesting. She was a former boxer as well. Five fights, four knockouts. <laughs> wow. Yeah, just learned that this morning. 
Incredible. And did she did she score the winner in that game against Germany? against Germany? Yeah. Uh, Down and came back and won it. What a yeah. seismic sort of upset. And I know it's a, a sort of warm-up game, yeah. a send-off, but Germany is a team that certainly could win the entire World Cup. Exactly. And for Zambia, which has not even been a power in Africa, mm-hmm. uh, to go and beat them in sort of this final warm-up send-off game, yeah. it's sort of, hopefully it, it foreshadows. Yes, that we'll see some craziness in the actual World Cup, but but that's the type of of win that can build a program like we were talking about. Exactly. Can can build a country's program. Spanish nightmare, to be honest, because they're going to sit in a low block and they have an athlete who can counter, counter. A pace that mm-hmm. I think is greater than any of their defenders. So is that the upset of the tournament? <gasps> Potentially. So not <laughs> not before. not as easy a group for Spain as as. As oh, you would think. They're, they're going to have to break some teams down. And who knows? Zambia just needs one win at a tie. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. what? Are you making it out of the group? And now somebody isn't making it out of the group? It's a doable oh. group, too. So. Yeah. Japan's going to be good, too, of course. Mm-hmm. What do we think about this year's Japan team? Because this is a team that, of course, American fans will know. Mm-hmm. A bunch of, of clashes with the U.S. in the World Cup. Uh, a team that's, that's sort of always been there. A team with a really good development program. What do we think of them this year? Chris mentioned on earlier in the podcast of they've got a lot of pressure on them, so they're going to have that going for them with putting out everything they have in all these games. They've got a win in 2011, I think, against the U.S. And lost in the final. Lost in the final. But there seems to be a lot of pressure there where you can hear them even talking about it in the press conferences of like, hey, we're expected to win this in our country or do well. And it's, I don't know if you need to talk about that all the time, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> But there's a lot of pressure for them to do well, but they're young at the same time. So are they going to be good moving forward into the future? Of course they will be, but I don't know if this is their time. It's an exciting group. Anything to mention about Costa Rica this year? Rocky Rodriguez is, yeah, is probably Rocky the, name Rodriguez. To, the name to know. It's, she's going to be the star for them in the midfield. She's always, I think, she scored a goal last World Cup. Mm-hmm. And plays with Thorns, right? Yeah, long-time NWSL player, and right? She was at Penn State, and I was telling Ash uh, in the office earlier today, she was playing in high school and she was in elementary school. I mean, oh, this wow. is a kid who's been so talented for so long. Again, you need to have a squad around you. Classic Lewandowski story with Poland, right? You might be a great goal scorer. I hope you got a team around you who can feed you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she could be a game-changer potentially. Soccer and Snow and Smoke is brought to you in part by Blackfoot Communications. Stay connected with Blackfoot Communications. Whatever your internet and phone needs, whether they're business or personal, go to goblackfoot.com to see how they can help you stay connected. And if you're a small business, see how they can help you grow your business with their Connect to More program. That's goblackfoot.com. Thank you to Blackfoot Communications. Thank you as well to our other sponsor and Zootown Sports Cards, Missoula's hub for all things sports card and memorabilia collecting. Located in the Stevens Center at 2100 Stevens Avenue, nice and central to everything in the Garden City, and with a great collection of sports cards for you to peruse, whether you're looking for packs or for singles. Still running our Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast special at Zootown Sports Cards. Go down there and let them know that you heard about them on the podcast. They'll hook up a special deal for you. I've got to get down there myself to see how their inventory's changed. It's always changing, always new stuff to look at. That's Zootown Sports Cards, 2100 Stevens Avenue in the Stevens Center. Big thanks to both of our sponsors. Now back to soccer and snow and smoke. All right, moving on from Group C into Group D. China, Denmark, England, and Haiti. And again, it's sort of a couple of teams who are going to expect to make deep runs into this tournament. England probably at the top of that list, defending champion in the Euros, right? Mm-hmm. Which was an incredible tournament. Yeah, that was a fun one to watch. And England broke through, and, and that sort of uh, huge win for that country, which always has such a tortured relationship with their soccer teams, yes. uh, to see the women break through and, and win an incredibly major trophy. Huge for them. Tell me about the, this England team that I think is a real contender for the tournament. They do have some injuries. They do, but I don't think anyone competes with them in this group, to, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think they're I just going to run the table in this group. What makes them so good? Uh, the way they play, the way they are fired up for this World Cup. I think you hear a lot of, of words coming from them and how excited they are for this World Cup. Um, they are without 
uh, I think Leah Williamson and Mead. Fran Kirby, yeah. Beth Mead, those are some big, big names that they're going to be missing. But they're just a team that kind of always was that. Like you hear about all these big players with the U.S. and a more individual level. You hear of England as more of a, a big squad that kind of works together as a team. Yeah. You know, they've been so close to breaking through at the mm-hmm. World Cup. They were in the semifinals last two years. Yeah. Is this the year that they break through? I don't know if they have the depth for it at the end of the day. I think they got a good starting lineup, but with those players missing, now you're running into depth issues on the back end. So luckily enough, you could, well, possibly uh, a group that they could coast through. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And that allows you to at least have freshness on the back end once you get into the knockouts. Well, so. and to test some players for your depth in yes. those games too, if you're going to need them later on in the tournament. Yeah. Uh, who, do, who do we watch for England now with, with some of those names out? Gotta be Lucy Bronze. Yeah. She's yeah, Lucy Bronze is a good probably one. one of the best defenders in the world, if not the best defender in the world. Yeah. So she's she'd be the name to watch on that team. Other teams in this group, China, Denmark, Haiti. Is there a favorite there for second place if if you think England's gonna run the group? Gotta be China and they won the AFC, right? And they qualified that way. They're, they're always good. They're always disciplined. Whether or not they have the firepower to win the whole thing, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But are they good enough to get out of the group? Yes. Because Haiti is, you know, qualified through the Intercontinental, uh, had to go the long way around, made it through. But I think it's a long shot for them to, to get out of that. And Denmark, possibly. I think Denmark is right behind them. They've had wins over Norway, Sweden. And Japan this year. So. Okay. All right. That's it. We're arm wrestling. We go. I'm going with China. You go with Denmark. All right. Fine. But it, but it could be a good race for... Good race for second yeah. place. Yeah. Anything for Haiti to play for here? So the Haitians have 14 players, I believe, who are playing in France. So it's a good squad that way, right? So you've, you've got some overseas experience. It's it's unlike somebody who might just have everybody playing in their domestic league, right? So there's experience on that team and they... They have energy and they're excited, but whether or not they can hold off the onslaught or the attack from the opponents is the question. Yeah, their star, uh, Du Mornay, she's playing over in France. She's, mm-hmm. she's a really good striker scorer in the French yes. League. So they, they certainly have one player uh, who's, who's world class yeah. for Haiti. And it could be a thing, again, where if they can play in low block and, and stay solid in low block and they've got a player who can hit you on the counter. Group E. Ooh. <laughs> USA. Here we go. <laughs> USA, Netherlands, Portugal, and then the U.S. opening against Vietnam on Friday. Probably a pretty pretty easy opener for the U.S. Yeah, I feel bad for the Vietnamese that way, but they're going to put on a show again. It's similar story to the Philippines. It's, it's for the next generation, right? Make the World Cup and then do it again and do it again. And hopefully by the third World Cup that you've made, the team is stronger and able to compete along the lines of some of the other teams that we've mentioned, right? Uh, like you look at a Zambia even, I think, has a better opportunity there just because they have some key players. For So, yeah, when it comes to Vietnam, they're going to have to hope for a miracle. But U.S. looking great, as I know we've talked about. Yeah. The rest of the group. <laughs> Vietnam only lost 2-1 to one against Germany coming in. A lot of people will say that was Germany's B team, but, I mean, a 2-1 loss is still... Still this, this has me more worried about Germany, who we haven't even talked about. <laughs> yeah, right. Poor Germans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the, Netherlands, Portugal are going to be, they're not going to make it easy for the U.S. No. no, and sort of an interesting fight between those two, if we do think those two teams are, are fighting for the second place in the group. Netherlands have been around for a while, but potentially falling off this year. I know Vivian Miedema, mm-hmm. uh, their star striker, attacker, yeah. uh, out injured for this World Cup. Portugal, which is sort of a team that, like the Netherlands, has a long soccer tradition, they're a team on the rise. They're sort of in that second wave of European teams exactly. that is that is coming up. Yes. So, so where do those two intersect this year? Yeah, I just don't think the Portuguese are ready yet. Um, you give them a couple more years and I think they're going to you know, start being more of a A-level European-type squad. It's just going to take more investment and more time. The Netherlands, though, I mean, they, they were in it last World Cup because of their goalkeeper, uh-huh. who was unbelievable, who's not playing this year. So, um, I think makes their a last difference. matchup with the U.S., I think I was reading in the Tokyo Olympics where they went into PKs, so they're out for probably some revenge there as well. Yeah, so Netherlands will do well. I mean, yeah, you got you got injuries, but it's it's that classic Dutch pride. It'll be a technical game. It'll be a four three three. They'll open it up through the sevens elevens. It'll be fun to watch. Yeah, you just have to execute. And I think again, Smith, Rodman, yeah. Morgan, they have to deal with stopping those players. And good luck doing that. 
Netherlands have never beat the United States, but I think they they've only lost once against Portugal ever. So so maybe it is a tough tough road for Portugal to get out of this group. Any players to watch for for them? Jessica Silva is probably the biggest name there. Um, that's probably their biggest name and their biggest forward star that they're probably going to be hoping for to get some goals out of them. But, yeah. Um, Portugal was one of the the latest ads in the tournament. So into continental yeah. playoff again. Yeah. yeah right. So and they, they're going to be coming out strong. They can defend well. Mm-hmm. Decent midfield, just no true goal scorer. So, again, how do you win when you don't have a goal scorer at a tournament? It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a hard thing to do. Game of the group, probably the, the U.S. against the Netherlands then. Yeah, well, Netherlands-Portugal yeah. is a fun one too, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just exciting that way. But, yeah, U.S.-Netherlands, I think, got to see that one. What are you looking for? We talked a lot about the U.S., but what are you? What are the expectations for the U.S.? What do you want to see, maybe tactically or maybe personnel-wise, from them in in the group, even if they are advancing relatively easily? Winning, <laughs> <laughs> confidence. Yeah, confidence in play. Like you watch the Spaniards, uh, the Dutch. At sometimes you're like they're dominating a game, mm-hmm. dominating the game. And yeah, I mean, how do you beat? If you're going to run into Spain at some point, how do you keep the ball away from them or how do you punish them? Clinical ruthlessness, something that the Germans have. Do we have the ruthlessness if we don't have the possession and the mm-hmm. tactical IQ? Yeah. I think the biggest question that I've been hearing a lot is what type of lineup is he going to put out? Is it going yeah. to be a, a second team? Is it going to be their starting lineup? Um, I'm hoping it's starting lineup because I think you need that momentum. I yes. think you need those players to get that that first game energy and play with the crowd and, and just be excited about the World Cup. I think momentum is the biggest key for them. Haven't reset in a while here. It's Chris Chitovitsky and Ashley Herndon joining us on Soccer and Snow and Smoke for a long and super interesting discussion about the Women's World Cup, which is kicking off Thursday in Australia and New Zealand. The U.S. Women's National Team kicks off Friday against Vietnam. We're going to have plenty of coverage for you from the Women's World Cup. We are endeavoring to get a couple guests who are going to be over there watching the game to join us uh, via the magic of uh, satellites and and etc. Just for a little talk about the experience of being over there, we will continue to provide analysis from from back over here in the States as the Women's World Cup progresses, similar to how we did it for the Men's World Cup back in December. But I'm happy to have Ashley and Chris in here with me to sort of get that kick started here. Three more groups left. Group F, Brazil, France, Jamaica, and Panama. Where are we at here? It's a big group. Yeah, feeling like it's going to be France and Brazil, right? <laughs> Possibly Jamaica, but I mean, France, again, it, I think they're, they're going to run the group at the end of the day. I know Brazil, maybe Ash will say Brazil will do it, but my, my money would be on France actually having a pretty good run at this World Cup. I think it's going to be an interesting group. I think there is potential from every team there. It's, it's going to be tough. I, I still do see France at the top. Thank you. I do. Yep. Brazil will be a close second. Yeah. It'll, be, it'll be an interesting one. And France were losing players with their coaching issues and then changed and hired Irv uh, Renard, right, who just yeah. coached Saudi Arabia at the Men's World Cup. <laughs> this guy's going from World Cup to World Cup, gender to gender. So, um, yeah, and he's he's managed to convince Renard. Uh, he's, he's managed to, to convince so many players to come back, mm-hmm. right? So they should be. And a lot of them play together house. in club already with O.L. Reign. Yes. And they have one of the best in goal scorers. Solmer, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, but Le Solmer. Yeah, yes. she's pretty fun to watch. Uh, they are without Amadine Henri, who was also a Portland player who's pretty incredible. <laughs> so that's a big bummer. That's actually a more recent loss through a training injury leading up to, to leaving for the World Cup. So that'll be a big loss in the midfield for them. We're seeing injuries become sort of a, a, a concern for several of the contenders here. We talked about it with England and the U.S. already, now with France. Are we seeing the same sort of, I think a lot of people would say fixture congestion is probably contributing to the injuries in the men's game. Yeah. Uh, not enough time off in the summer. Is that, with that being a World Cup year, is that something that's going to uh, be a factor here? Yeah, we had that conversation in the office yesterday. Or was it today? I can't remember. Yeah. It all blends together. Um it's one of two things. It's either you can say it's the fixture congestion or if you read, not even between the lines, if you do the extra research and you see why Real Madrid players refused to play for part of the season last year, it's because of the lack of training facilities, so to speak, uh, available to them. So 
Why isn't an, an athletic trainer here all the time? Why don't we have the same medical access that the men's players do? There's a lack of that. You hear about it in the French game all the time as well, right? I've seen plenty of articles on that. So I think where we're falling short on providing resources is it's there. Yeah. On the medical side of things. They don't get treated the same way as the men's players do who might get the cryogenic freezer. You do extra fixture congestion on top of that, and that's why you're seeing the issues happening here. So I don't think it's... The knee-jerk reaction of, hey, they need to be playing less is not the way to go. It's they need to be taken care of better as players and people. And that will allow them to play more games. Back to the group, France we think is going to be there. They've made runs at the last Euros. They made a run at the last World Cup. They've got a ton of players with experience in the highest European leagues. Definitely, I mean, there's not really much else to say about them. They're a contender to win the whole thing. Yes. They should get out of the group. Brazil is is interesting. This is going to be the last World Cup for Marta. Probably the greatest player of all time. Yeah. One of the greatest players of all time. Yeah. One of them. I don't know. Oh, we can we can debate that too, right? But she she is amazing. And so, but how old did we say? Forty two now. So yeah, I that know, I know Christine Sinclair is forty this year. I think Marta's got a few years on her. Yeah. Yeah. So again, my my hope is that Brazil doesn't say, hey, we need to have Marta play every single game and give her the ball all the time. So there's a lot of young good talent there that. You know, let let her be the catalyst that just lights the fire under them that allows them to achieve in the future because it shouldn't just be about her. It should be about what's going to happen at the next mm-hmm. World Cup, too, without her. I think another name is Dabinia as well. In that exactly. Team. Another well. older player as well, 31 now, I believe, right? So I think she's got one more World Cup in her. But it's uh, there's a lot of young players there that are up and coming, and they'll be exciting to watch mm-hmm. because it's Brazil, right? So... <laughs> I think they'll be good, but can they? Question is, can they get over Jamaica and Bunny Shaw, who scores goals, right? Scores goals in the WSL, so that that's good. She's a good player, and it's that's Jamaica Brazil might be a fun game to watch. I got to go back to Brazil. They've got. We just found out. I, I knew Pia, the old U.S. Women's National yeah. Team, was coaching one team. Looked it up. It was Brazil. It's Pia Sundhag there with her guitar, coaching Brazil, right? <laughs> I mean. Goodness. I mean, you got a coach who's wanted at the highest levels, too. Yeah. So Brazil will be fun. She's been a coach for a couple different countries. So she knows how other teams play. She knows how to tactically change for those teams. So it'll be interesting. Is there pressure on Brazil this year just because of they, they are Brazil? And that always comes with pressure? Is, is, that, they are is that the same in yeah. the women's game? I also game? think they'll feel the pressure of helping Marta win. I mean, sixth, sixth World Cup. Yeah. She's not coming back for another one. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> this, this is not. it. Yeah, yeah, this is it. But there are so many countries who have that storyline, yeah. right? The Canadians also want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, yeah, there are so many. And the Americans could the say US the same thing. Rapino, yeah. right? It's Probably true. Alex Morgan's last one, too, from what I'm hearing. So um, that so many people can pull on that to, to get the emotions going within the team. Mm-hmm. Panama, I don't know. We'll see how Panama do. A yeah. couple quick hitters here to finish out this group. Chris, tell me more about Jamaica's star, Bunny Shaw, who plays for Man City. Yeah, scored 20 goals for City, in the, right, in the uh, Women's Super League. So, yep. I mean, scores goals. There, there's a game changer. Not scoring goals for some low league. I mean, you're, you're doing it at the highest level. So you got a player who can get it done. Ashley, any more names that you want to mention as up and coming for Brazil who who are going to be the next player who's going to go to four or five World Cups for them? There's a few youngsters. I, I still just think Dabinia is going to be the name and Marta, obviously, but Dabinia is someone who is someone who's that hardworking player that's just always someone you can rely on. So she'll be one that's that's fun to watch. She then. plays NWSL, right? Correct, yeah. I think she's with Kansas, Kansas City. City. Yeah. yeah. Always played for North Carolina and now with Kansas City. So, All right, good one to watch. couple more groups left here. Group G, Argentina, Italy, South Africa, and Sweden. Is there a, a contender that's going to come out of this group? Possibly Sweden. We were having that discussion. That's where I would wager. But Sweden's – they've always been so close, mm-hmm. right? They've always been so close. So – can they finally overcome that final hurdle and actually get into a final and win everything? Who knows? But it's a, it's a good team with a lot of depth. And what my understanding is, hearing from people in Sweden and reading articles there, this is the best team that they've ever sent to a World Cup. That's what they're saying. So, okay, we've been close before, but we've never had a team this good going to a World Cup. So, yeah, could they potentially, mm-hmm. they should get out of the group. And how far are they going to go? Let's wait and see. Yeah. Ranked third in the world. 
Yeah. Finished third at the last World Cup. Yep. That sort of seems like a team that, that not a lot of people are talking about as a real contender, but they, they're, they're up there. Mm-hmm. They're the sneaky one that I think people should be talking about, thinking about. But why are they a sneaky one when they're third in the world and finished third in the World Cup, right? Because they're the classic bridesmaid. Oh, you're always there, but you're never the one that everybody wants to talk about. So, Do they have competition in this group? I think they do. I think Italy, Italy is kind of looking for revenge from their... Euros performance, so mm-hmm. I think there's always going to be teams looking for redemption there, and who knows? I mean, Argentina, South Africa, never had a World Cup win. I'm surprised. I didn't know that about Argentina, but I think I think they're always trying to fight for that win. So yeah, the the Argentinians, from what I had seen, had conceded. Let me get this right: 37 goals in their nine World Cup games. So they're showing up. And they're saying, "We're here to play. Yeah. Let's go!" <laughs> and then they're getting scored on like <laughs> crazy. Right. So if you can address that piece, and then the fact that they've got some pretty cool attacking players, I mean, mm-hmm. they can they, they can win games if they know how to defend. Tell me about them. Who are the names? Uh, one of the main ones who was named to the best 11 at the Copa America because she scored so many goals was Rodriguez. And so that's, that's the one to look out for. So young up-and-coming player who can get the job done. Then the Italians, I think we can't skip them because the Italians... Um, as a federation poured a lot of money into their women's professional league which has taken it to another level and it's not just Juventus who are doing well in the Champions League but Roma went on a great run right uh, played Barcelona in front of 40,000 people right and ended up losing 1-0 and then got um, completely murdered away from home <laughs> but again it's a country that's trying to do it right and so the the Italians again kind of that B level coming out of Europe right now hoping to because of the investment that they've made I would say by the next World Cup should be a lot stronger in the following one an actual contender sort of like Portugal right just yes. sort of on that upward track yeah but I'd say even further ahead of the Portuguese just because of the success that they had in the Champions League yeah. I mean, they're good doing team. well with club with Juventus and Roma so yeah I hadn't realized or it had just completely vacated my mind. Italians made the quarterfinals at the last World Cup. So right. a yeah. little bit of, of to watch yeah. Yeah. So passionate, right? They're going to come out of nowhere. Yeah. And when you look at the qualifying, uh, it, it written down here, they breezed through qualifying, won nine out of 10 games. Those nine wins were all with a shutout. They outscored their opponents 40 to two, right? This is not just an Italian team who's going to be a classic Italians from the 90s who can just defend well, but they can attack. So they, they could be a lot of fun to watch. So Italy, Spain, Italy, Sweden, sorry, becomes a very good game, in my opinion. Well, and, and Italy, Argentina, too, if, if Argentina is playing well. If they're defending well, yes. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> and then South Africa, I mean, the, the fact that they went from making a World Cup being okay to all of a sudden, years later, winning the African Cup of Nations because resources are poured into it, that's a major step forward. Again, not ready to be hyper-successful at this World Cup, but the fact that they won the Cup of Nations um, says that they might be the next powerhouse coming out of Africa, and that means that give them another two World Cups, they should be competing. Yeah, not a ton of of the traditional women's soccer powerhouse names in that group, but I think a a group that's going to be really interesting. Ashley, anything else uh, to mention about Group G? I think I think Argentina and still they the style of play that they always come out with I think they can surprise some people I think they have the Madrid forward star Benini who's also played been one of the top goal scorers for Washington Spirit and the NWSL so when you have a good goal scorer it definitely helps. All right, one more to go. We've talked about Germany a bunch mm-hmm. in passing with some of their struggles in the lead-up to this World Cup. Germany leading off Group H. They're in there with Korea, Colombia, and Morocco. Uh, initial thoughts on this group? Uh, Germans should win it, but then again, you see them like go through some of these friendlies. But again, I would prefer to have those slaps mm-hmm. in the face before the tournament yeah, than in the tournament. You look at the last goal that they gave up to Zambia and the throw-in that leads to the turnover is pathetic, right? And I would watch that over and over in film again and say that is never happening again, mm-hmm. especially once we get to the World Cup. Problem solved before it actually bites you in the butt in a game that matters. So I think the Germans have learned through those lessons. They will be ruthless. Um, they've got Pop up top who can score goals. Yeah, pop up top, back. I like that. Top. Yeah, right? <laughs> Um, and they're the only other team to have actually won a back-to-back World Cup and multiple World Cups, right? 03 and 07. So there's a history of winning. There's a country who expects their team to win. They'll be ruthless. Also they a lot lost of good attackers. at the Euros in the yeah. final. A lot of good attackers who are very successful in Champions mm-hmm. League. Wolfsburg made it to the final of the Champions League, a German team. So I think they could be very good. 
Ashley, tell me more about that that team. Who are some of the secondary names behind uh, Alex Pop? Mm-hmm. Leah Schuler and Lena Muggol. Mm-hmm. German names. I don't know if I'm pronouncing them correctly. Yeah, but, it's uh, good. <laughs> some Bayern Munich stars that are also key players for their attack. So they're going to come out fighting, and they could surprise even people beyond the group stage. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see them. Yeah, I think. I mean, a team that was in the the final of the Euros last mm-hmm. time around. A team that. They're going to make it out of the group stage. I, th- yeah. I think you can count on that. But They've been in U.S.'s spot before, too, winning two World Cups in a row, missing the third. Yeah, so. talk about motivation to say we don't want you to be the first ones yeah. to win three because then you eclipse us because right now we're tied, mm-hmm. right? So, um, yeah, a lot of motivation for them, and I just feel like they could be could be dangerous, but we thought the same thing about the men's team, and sometimes they just fall apart. So who knows? They'd be facing that France-Brazil group next, so. Yeah. Also a, oh. So a tough game coming yeah. out of the group right oh, away. Yeah. yeah. We didn't even talk one. about the matchups that would happen next out of these groups, but there's some. There's some, some mouthwatering times yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Secondary team out of this group: Colombia, Korea, Morocco. Any of those teams? I just think of how the the Colombia versus the Ireland Columbia game. Colombia Ireland game gets didn't even get past 20 minutes. They had to suspend a game. I've never heard of that happening. After physicality before. from the Colombians. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so they're definitely going to be coming out. For a fight. I don't know which end created that game suspension, but I know it sent Denise O'Sullivan to the hospital. Never yeah, heard of exactly. an update on that. But. So I think with Colombia, what you got is a team who beat Argentina in the Copa America, only lost 1-0 to Brazil in the final. So it's a... Solid? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a solid yeah. team. Yeah. So, But at the same time, are they going to be ruthless and like trying to hurt people, or are they actually going to try to play? Um, I'd also heard that they have an 18-year-old mm-hmm. called Caicedo, right, yeah. if I'm pronouncing that correctly, who is, like, really lit up the Copa America that hopefully will come here and play for the Grizz. Professional, <laughs> professional debut at 14 years ah, old. Dag Nabbit. She's a professional. <laughs> yeah. I guess she's not going to play in CAA. Linda Caicedo, I think she plays for Real Madrid, so. Yeah, right? She's coming here. <laughs> yeah. You know, there, there are advantages that Missoula yeah. offers when compared to, to Madrid. Madrid. Yeah, yeah, right? Golden ball at the Copa America. <laughs> yeah, right? As an 18-year-old. I mean, that's a, an exciting player for the future. And again, only losing 1-0 to Brazil in the Copa America says a lot. So I think they're the number two. But you can never underestimate Korea, who only lost 3-2 to China in the AFC Asian Cup. And so, yeah, I'm going to butcher the name. Ji So Yoon, mm-hmm. 67 international goals, six-time Korean footballer of the year. I mean, that's going to be the one to stop. I think if you stop her, then they're, they're going to have problems. Chelsea but Colombia, Korea should be the game. Yeah, and Morocco making their World Cup debut. So another one of those teams that yeah. they have smaller goals, right? Yeah. They're trying to build for the next generation. It's, it's We're here. Yeah, cool story to be there. And, and we'll see what happens. Uh, that is all. Eight groups at the Women's yeah. World Cup. Can't believe we just did that. Broken down <laughs> wow. by Chris Chitavisky and Ashley Herndon, coaches at the Montana Grizzlies soccer program. Guys, thank you for being here. Thanks for breaking those down in such detail. Before I get you out of here, go USA. What are your, what are your predictions? <laughs> who who are your top three? I think there's a really deep group of contenders at this mm-hmm. tournament. Who did you say was your dream final today? USA Australia potentially. Uh-huh. Yeah. Opposite ends of the table. <clears throat> yeah. Right. So, I don't know. Uh, Americans definitely. England, Spain, Germany, Sweden, France. <laughs> okay, we've listed <laughs> There's a lot, lot of names. There's a lot of names. My though, top three: U.S., Australia, Germany. All right, Chris. <laughs> U.S., Australia, and Spain. All right. A lot of love for the Australians here. Yeah. I'm going to assume that Ashley didn't just say Australia because Chris made her, but... (laughs) No, no. No, I think they've got a good squad. Not just Sam Kerr. They've got quite a bit, so... And it's at home for them. It's at home. They're excited. They've been excited for this for a long time. They beat England. They just beat France. I mean, talk about a great build-up for them. a big tournament, I don't think, so they're going to be fired up to win something. Who's the player of the tournament for you? Sam Kerr. No, I think it's going to end up exploding into something like Sophia Sophia Smith Smith. or and a young player being like Trinity Rodman. There's there's some good stuff going on there. But then let's not exclude the Spaniards, who (laughs) I think are going to be running the show by the next World Cup. There you go. Women's World Cup kicking off Thursday. uh, First match 
New Zealand versus Norway. Pretty good game there to get the tournament started. U.S. make their debut on Friday against Vietnam to open play in Group E. Uh, We'll have analysis. We'll have more interviews for you throughout the tournament. I got to give out one more U.S. US name. Lindsay Horan, I think she's going to surprise people as being a leader this tournament. Yes. Yeah. She's one of the best players I've ever played with, I think. When did you play with her? Portland Thorns. She's unbelievable. And she's very underrated, in my opinion. There you go. Analysis from Ashley Herndon, along with Chris Chitovitsky here, joining me for Soccer and Snow and Smoke, the soccer podcast from ESPN Missoula. Montana Grizzlies kicking off their preseason in, what's the date exactly? Well, July 31st is meeting day. Is that right? August 1st, first practice. August 1st, first practice. So, yeah, soon. Well, we'll have to catch up on that too. Mm-hmm. Good luck heading into that, guys. Appreciate your time. Enjoy the games. Let's catch up and do this again soon. Thanks Let's do so it. much.